Please join me in the prayer for illumination that is found in your bulletin. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. A lesson from the New Testament, Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15 and 22 through 26. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another and envying one another. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's time for a special moment with the children. So I want to invite all the children who are in the sanctuary to come and join me up here. And if you're worshiping online from home or somewhere far away, just get a little closer to your screens. And we'll spend some time together and I'll take a hug. Thank you so much. Mm -mm. Good morning, Maggie. Good morning, everyone. So glad to see you all. I hope you've had plenty of time to play outside this weekend. Goodness gracious, what beautiful weather we're having. Good to see everybody. Good morning. I want to talk about a really important word that we use in church a lot, and I hope that you will understand what it means. Some people even have it as a name, and the word is grace. This is grace. <laughs> and we should dance when we think about grace. Because you know what grace means. It means that God loves each and every one of us, no matter what. You know, sometimes we'll have a baptism and we'll baptize a baby. And one of the reasons we do that is because we believe as we baptize the baby, that is a sign that God loves that child. They don't even know how to walk yet or talk yet or do anything quite yet except eat and sleep. And God loves them and always will. And that is true for you and you and you and all of you and all of us 
that we don't have to do anything to make God love us. God already loves us. And no matter what mistakes we make or, or, or ways that we might fail or do things wrong, God's going to love us anyway. And so as you grow up, sometimes, at least for, for me as a grown-up, there are times I tell myself, oh, I'm not good enough. My nose is too small, or I can't draw well, or I made a really bad mistake, and I think God must not love me. But one thing I want you to learn in church and always remember is that God will always, always, always love you. And there are people out in the world who need to know that. So maybe sometime today or tomorrow, you can tell someone that you see God loves you, and that'll be good news for them. And that's grace. Let's pray together. Gracious God, help us to remember the most important thing of all, that you love us. You love everybody, and you love us, and think that each one of us is special, and there's nothing we could ever do that would make you stop loving us. Thank you for that grace, and help us to love others as you love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, three, four, and five-year-olds can go to children's church. And if you're older than that, you can go back and sit with family or friends. Many years ago, when I was in divinity school at Emory University, I was part of a congregation that met uh, Trinity United Methodist Church in midtown, downtown Atlanta. And one of the ministries of Trinity involved a meal that we would share with folks who were living in homelessness. And that meal would happen on Sunday afternoons, typically. And so on the Sundays when the congregation shared in communion, some of us volunteers would go and take communion to those who were waiting for the community meal. They were always invited and welcome to come to worship, but, but many of them didn't make that choice. So we would take communion out to where they were. And I'll never forget one Sunday, we were serving communion to people going down the line, and I was about to offer the bread to one gentleman, and the woman next to him stood up and just placed her hand on his chest and said, no, uh-uh, you don't get to take communion today. You hadn't quit your drinking. You don't deserve it. And I felt in myself this emotional response I just wanted to say, no, no, that's not what it's about. This is all about God's grace. None of us are ready for it. None of us deserve it. It's, it's all about God's love for us. You don't have to be anything or do anything. It's just a gift. Now, I'm not sure what I said, or, or maybe it was my companion who, who said something, but we made it known that in the United Methodist Church, we believe in an open table, and everybody's welcome at the table no matter what, and so we served him. There have been other moments along the way in my ministry when I've heard that similar sentiment. I've had people say, you know, I'd like to come to church, but I, I got to get my life together because everybody in church knows what they're doing and they have their life together. I was like, really? Have you been in church? Well, starting with me here. That's what it's all about, is people who don't have our lives together and making 
the journey together of, of grace because it's all about God's love for us and not about our readiness or worthiness. When I was working in prison ministry, I remember sitting across from a gentleman at the holiday meal and he said, I don't know why y'all are out here. We don't deserve it. And I just felt that guttural response. No, that's not what it's about. Please don't turn away from God's grace because you think you're unworthy. When I feel that emotion, I don't even know what to name it. It's not anger. Maybe it's closer to sadness or or urgency, but I think it may be similar to the emotion that Paul was feeling when he sat down to write the Galatians. If you were here last week, you know that I mentioned the letter of Galatians, and I described it as Paul's angry letter. But I'm not sure I got it right. I think there are other emotions at play in this letter. You see, what's happening in these churches of Galatia is, is frustrating and, and breaking Paul's heart. He had spent time among them. We don't know exactly which churches he's writing to, but he was clearly part of, of sharing the gospel with them for the first time, for helping them come to know Jesus Christ as the Son of God. These were folks who were not part of the Jewish faith or of that tradition. They were Gentiles, perhaps participating in Roman religion. But he shared with them the story of Jesus of Nazareth and how he'd been crucified and raised from the dead. And through this revelation, we know of God's unconditional love for all humankind and the saving work that God is doing in our midst. And they believed and they were baptized And when they were baptized, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to form a church and to grow in their faith. And Paul stayed with them for a while and then he moved on because that was his calling. He went to found other churches in other places. Somewhere along the way, he got news that something was happening in these churches of Galatia. There were these other teachers who had come in those who perhaps had had been raised in the Jewish faith, and that was part of their tradition and their understanding. And it's understandable that they would feel this way, that they came and said to the Galatians, you're not doing it right. If you want to get right with God, if you really want to be saved and made whole, you've got to also follow all the laws of the Torah, The men have to be circumcised, and everybody has to obey all of the food laws, and you have to take on all of this as well. If you want to be right, you have to. And Paul gets word of this, and he says, no, 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 that's not it at all. He believes and feels that in this one issue, the whole gospel is at stake. If you start to believe that you have to do this or that or be this or that in order to be acceptable to God, then then you've missed the whole point. In fact, he says in the letter, if you allow yourselves to be circumcised, then Christ died for nothing. And he describes and talks about grace. It's all about grace. It's all God's initiative coming toward us with love and forgiveness and acceptance. And and all we have to do is believe it. All we have to do is accept 
that we are accepted. Just embrace the grace. I just made that up, by the way. I think that's a pretty good t-shirt. Pretty good bumper sticker. And yet, it's so much more than a bumper sticker. It is a lifetime of relationship with God to embrace the grace of God. And we know that, I think. I mean, we're United Methodists. Grace is our favorite word. We talk about grace. We offer grace. We live grace. We have the open table. We believe and pronounce at at West End. God loves everyone unconditionally. And yet, in how many different ways do we experience that hand on our chest? Mm. God loves everyone, but no, maybe not quite fully. Not you. Not your life's not together. You gotta get your life right. You gotta stop doing this thing. You've gotta change yourself. You've gotta be different if you really want to be acceptable to God. Do you experience that in your own life? Those voices constantly saying to you, you're not worthy, you're not enough, that God looks upon you with judgment and a critical eye? I know I do. Even though I know in my head and I preach it and we proclaim it every Sunday, I still feel that, hmm, not yet, not quite enough. And so these words of Paul, these, this emotion of Paul is for us too. We hear Paul saying, no, don't let that hand bear down on your chest. Don't listen to those voices. Remember, God's grace is for you. There is nothing more that you have to do or be to be acceptable to God. You says Paul, are free. You are free from the burden of trying to prove yourself or trying to convince yourself or others that you are worthy or that you belong or that you're acceptable. You're free from that burden. For you are called to freedom, says Paul. So this morning we once again accept the good news that we're free from that. And we begin to consider, what are we freed for, then? If we truly accept that we're accepted, if we embrace the grace, then what? How do we live that out? Then everything else in our lives is a grateful response to that unconditional love. And so we respond with practicing prayer and worship and reading scripture and giving what we have. And, you know, some of you this week have received your letter with the estimate of giving card. And I hope when you see that, you don't see that as, well, you better check this box or you're not acceptable. No. What that is is an opportunity to respond to the generous grace of God with all we've got in every aspect of our lives. This is where John Wesley comes in. Very helpful. 
as United Methodists, we're shaped by the Wesleyan way. And one of the beautiful things he offered to the conversation about grace is a, is a framework to help us understand how to think about it. And I know those of you who've just been through confirmation are like, yes, we know, we studied this. But we all need reminding. Wesley talked about prevenient grace that, that goes before us, that pursues us. It's God's loving intention always chasing after us. Before we even know our own name, God's grace claims us. Then there's the justifying grace, the, the grace and the gift that God accomplished for the world in the person, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, revealing to all of us that, that God's love is unconditional for all people. And then there's the sanctifying grace. And that's where we come in where we work alongside the Holy Spirit to keep reminding ourselves and others of that unconditional love of God, to grow ever deeper in love with God, with our neighbor, with ourselves, to live into that freedom, and through the practices of the faith to allow the fruit of the Spirit to take root in us. We don't do those things to earn God's favor. That's already happened. But we do it to respond to God's favor that's already been declared. So we're United Methodists. We talk about grace all the time. We might believe it in our heads, but we need to be reminded again and again and again that God loves you and God loves you, and God loves you because of who you are, not because of what you do. But how often do we take the time in our busy lives to sit in that grace, to absorb it, to crawl up into God's lap and just be held? So this morning, I just wanted to offer you that gift. Matt's going to play the piano for just a moment and... I hope that you'll take this time to breathe in God's love for you, to hear the Holy Spirit saying you are beautiful and beloved and God delights in you, to be reminded that, that you're free and that God's love will never, ever, ever leave you.